0: It's it's an agenda and the the news is scripted and these so-called journalists that probably had degrees in journalism, whatever stage of the choreography they're in, that's the story the media is gonna tell you no matter what happens.
1: It's always good for people to have direct personal experience with that so they see it for themselves and know at a deep visceral level that when you are watching the news, you were watching enemy information programming that is following a script. And ultimately, it lies with us and I can't control what everyone else is doing. All I can do is what I'm doing and, and modeling it for others and hope that has an effect.
0: Ready to live at the higher vibrations where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, it's Robin Openshaw and welcome back to The Vibe Show. Today I have been excited about for a really long time because one of John's all-time heroes, James Corbett, is finally my guest on this show. It's the perfect time to have uh, James Corbett of the Corbett Report on the show because uh, he's been talking about what people would probably call him a conspiracy theorist for many, many years. But John's been listening to him for over a decade and he was out of his mind excited when I told him that I've got him on the show. In fact, he literally came in and we took a picture of James Corbett on the screen with me and John. That's That's how much John was geeking out about it. But James is a very well-known podcaster. He has an audience of millions. But the interesting thing is he's not an American. He doesn't live in the U.S., but he's watching all this very closely. He's just a fantastic researcher. So I think you're going to love this. Before we get started, I want to let you know that we've never done a price like this before for our Flash Fast. The Flash Fast right now, we set it up on a buy one, get one free deal. Okay, so that's something we've never done. Before, but for $59.95, you can actually get two flash fasts. Now I feel amazing after I've done a three day flash fast, and I feel like everybody right now would like to feel a little bit better. So if you gained the COVID-19 or, you know, during the lockdown, or if you just could use an improvement in your mood and stability, drop a couple of pounds, detoxify the flash fast is the way to go. It's, it's five mini meals a day. So you never get really hungry. Everybody who, uh, the first hundred who did the program, they reported to us in detail afterwards and, and they told us that on the hunger scale of one to 10, 10 being really hungry, they never got hungrier than a three on average. So that's pretty cool because you're actually eating very controlled, low calories that are according to the research. Going to get you all the benefits of fasting, but without actually going hungry. Most people just won't do it. Most people won't fast. But I have found I can get just about anybody to to get the benefits of a three day fast if they use our uh, plant based organic flash fast. So get yours at, we have a link set up at, while this deal is going on, just for a couple weeks while you're hearing this, it's greensmoothiegirl.com slash flash fast deal. So buy one, get one free at greensmoothiegirl.com slash flash fast deal. And now for the show, I think, uh, what, what I'm, what you're really going to love about this episode is how James Corbett is one of those people who doesn't go sideways and go bunny trail down deep into minutia that doesn't actually interest people. He keeps it really tight, and he gave me such great answers for the very difficult questions that I asked him about what's on all of our minds, about what's going on in the last six months, and what the agenda is by the technocracy coming towards us. So welcome to the Vibe Show, the amazing James Corbett of the Corbett Report.
1: Thank you for having me on. Pleasure to be here.
0: Well, I should tell my audience that um, uh, John, who they know well, is a huge fan of yours and I asked him today how long he's been listening to you and he thinks it's been 11 years so you're how he got the uh, label of conspiracy theorist (laughs) (laughs) you and the original Alex Jones stuff he's not as big a fan of Alex Jones but he remains a huge fan of yours and he gave me a big list of things he wanted me to ask you about and since we don't have time to ask all of them I've had a hard time narrowing it down but can we just launch into, because you do such amazing research, and when he says, hey, you got you to gotta listen to the Corbett Report on this, I'm always amazed at how thorough your research is. It's not inflammatory. It's like, if people have never studied actual uh, conspiracies, <laughs> then they don't know that they, it's not just cookie people that wear a pinwheel on the top of their head. And, and you always back everything up with a fair amount of research. And so I wonder if you can talk to us about what's happening in Australia, because- John is telling me that while they were in this lockdown, and and I have said very publicly on my platforms, it looks to me like New Zealand and Australia are the pilot project. And it look and if I were if I were the evil geniuses who were who were doing these things to us, I would pick them, not just because they were once a prison colony, in Australia, but also uh, because they're just sort of so easygoing, I would almost say passive, and so I would try to pull a fast one on them before I'd come to the United States where we have a Bill of Rights and stuff, and we at least are pretending to be a democratic republic. So John is saying that while they were on lockdown in a a, a brief window of time, that tons of planes, you broke this story, were flying in and out of China, like like landing at 1 a.m. and leaving within a day. Can you tell us about that, what it has to do with the lockdown is, and, and just talk about China in general. That's something we really haven't done on my show.
1: Well, as a matter of fact, I'm not sure. I didn't uh, cover mysterious planes particularly, but uh, I can speak to the, uh, the the flights that were going in and out of China during this, at least the early stages of this pandemic hype. Uh, and especially back in January, that's when the World Health Organization, on January 30th is when they officially declared a global health emergency. But if you go back and read the uh, the actual coverage of that at the time, the surprising thing that you'll find is that in their their uh, their the, in their announcement, in their declaration, part of why they were declaring a global health emergency was specifically to stop countries that at that time were starting to shut down travel to and from China. They were trying to invoke a global health emergency to say, "You guys should keep traveling to China. Don't worry, we're we're going to work together, and we've got this under control." So I thought. That's particularly odd, especially from today's perspective in August, going back to those January coverage and and seeing that, um, knowing what we know about what Well, about what supposedly happened, given how far you can trust the narrative of all of this anyway. But uh, yes, the World Health Organization was specifically working hand in glove with China since the beginning of this. And earlier in January, before they declared the global health emergency, you might remember the, uh, the infamous tweet where the WHO declared, there is no evidence of human to human transmission. And of course, that was followed up on by political puppets of various stripes across the spectrum in all different countries including the U.S. where Pelosi and others were going down to Chinatown hug, hug some people you know it's okay don't give in to the fear um, and then a few months later they're lambasting Trump and the Trump administration for what's going on. Look I'm no fan of any side of the political factions that are squabbling over their right to control the population but it is the hypocrisy is off the charts and a lot of that hypocrisy goes around about China. Uh, there was an interesting moment during one of the World Health Organization's live streams where they were being questioned by a reporter about Taiwan. And Taiwan's response and what does WHO think about Taiwan? And instead of answering the question, I'm not sure if it was Director General Tedros or if it was another member of the WHO panel that was answering the questions, but they immediately shut down the question, moved on to the next question, and then stopped the live stream because they don't even want to talk about Taiwan or its existence because they don't, of course, officially acknowledge Taiwan as a country. No, no, it's Chinese Taipei that was allowed to be an observer state to the WHO for a few years before China shut that down. So... There's some very strange connections between China and the WHO, but I think the more important level of this operation, to the extent that it is taking place at a deeper level, is really at the, the, um, the, the billions upon billions upon billions of dollars that are being pumped into organizations like the World Health Organization and many, many other organizations by the likes of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, a welcome Trust, a, a whole network of affiliated nonprofits, corporate foundations, these types of organizations that fo- found such things as Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, that has been for the past decade engaged in a decade of vaccines to try to vaccinate essentially everyone on the planet. And uh, that decade of vaccines has culminated in 2020 with what could be mandatory vaccinations that, as you say, could be starting in Australia. The Australian prime minister did float the idea last week of mandatory vaccinations. There was an immediate outcry. Well, what's the legal justification for this? You can't do that. And he immediately walked it back and essentially started to tone down the language. No, I didn't mean mandatory. I meant that we should try to get as much vaccination as possible within allowable limits and blah, 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 but uh, they are definitely f- floating the t- trial balloons right now. And it is starting in Australia. And why Australia? That is Australia and New Zealand. And uh, I think you're right. There is, uh, there is a passivity and a compliance in the Australian and, and New Zealand uh, public right now. But to the extent that that exists, it even surprises me. I truly did not expect to see this level of compliance and a lot of people going along with what's happening right now thinking that these lockdowns and all of the madness surrounding it is a good thing. It's uh, it's rather surprising to see.
0: You probably saw that Yahoo News is saying that it's now a minority of Americans who say that they'll agree to get the vaccine voluntarily. I think it's 42% and it's just dropped and dropped and dropped. Do you think that's a a psyop or do you think to, to create fake scarcity or do you think that Americans are really awakening? Because we, we could use some good news, James, and don't you don't have to blow sunshine anywhere. It doesn't belong. But do you think that Americans, by the millions, are waking up to what vaccines really are? Or do you think that that's some kind of ploy?
1: Well, as a Canadian in Japan, I wouldn't presume to have my finger on the pulse of the American public, but I can speak directly to the feedback that I get um, both directly and indirectly through the work that I do, uh, directly through people actually contacting me, but indirectly just by the fact that since this entire crisis, this generated crisis was generated several months ago, I have seen many, 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 many many people um, coming on board with this information. A lot of people coming out of the woodworks to say Either that they had never, they would never have listened to this type of stuff before, but now they they're starting to see something's happening, or other people um, who said, "Oh, you know, I followed your work off and on for a while, but you know, I didn't take it that seriously until this happened, and now I realize something's happening." So I think there is identifiably a section of, uh, of the public that is cottoning on to the fact that there is a much bigger agenda playing out right now. I wouldn't venture to guess what percentage of the public that is. Um, but I can tell you, you're not likely to get an accurate for, um, uh, gauge on that through any sort of online metric, because uh, online metrics are skewed in so many different ways. And then add into that, that we know that for the last several years, uh, the U.S. Uh, State uh, State Department, no, the U.S. military and others have admitted uh, in Britain, it's the 77th Brigade. Uh, in the U.S., they've they've admitted to these operations as well. They They have admittedly, Uh, essentially PSYOP soldiers that are online and they do create fake accounts in order to influence public opinion in various comment and forum spaces. We know that that already exists and we have seen DARPA and others putting out tenders for companies to invent uh, 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 profile managers that would be able to uh, open multiple social media accounts and keep them active and keep them populated with uh, real seeming information. I mean, these are actual things that the military and DARPA and others have been looking for. So one can assume that that is going on. And, uh, and then YouTube metrics, how many views a certain video gets, trusted as far as you can throw it. For example, my recent uh, four-part documentary on Bill Gates called Who is Bill Gates? The first part of that was called uh, How Bill Gates Monopolized Public Health. Uh, that uh, quite quickly, within a few weeks, got to 1 million views. And ever since then, for the last three, four months now, it has been stuck at about 1,085,000 views, as if not one single more person has watched it in those intervening months. Again, I don't trust any of these metrics as far as I can throw them. And I think we are not likely to really gauge the public's reaction from any sort of online data like that. The only way to know is in real life. And even then, of course, they're going to try to manipulate perceptions, like we saw in uh, Berlin just a couple of weeks ago. We saw a massive demonstration, uh, ranging in the, uh, well, tens of thousands, up to a million people, depending on who you ask, spilled out into the streets in Berlin to protest the lockdown activities there. But of course, it was reported in the press as 10,000, maybe 15,000 people, whereas you contrast that to pictures of other known large-scale um, events that have taken place in Berlin. They, the pictures look identical, but those were that, that was a million people. This is 10,000 people. <laughs> so again, don't believe your lying eyes is what the media will tell you. So we're not ever going to see it touted in the media that there's a large-scale public reaction to this or that people are waking up. But I, th- I think when you go out on the streets and you put the feelers out there, even people who are seemingly complying and wearing the masks and following the social distancing, I think you'll find a lot of people are doing so reluctantly. And the vaccine may be where people are are drawing that line.
0: Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna love this story. So I have run several protests here in Utah, and the one that 1,500 people came to last night is just the most recent one. But the first protest we went to is not one that I held, um, but John and I and uh, a couple of his really good friends went to this. They were calling them rallies back then, and now I'm like, we're not calling anything we do a rally because you know, the time for rallies is behind us. We have to take serious action here. We need to get a lot more serious and we're not we're not having any rallies. But back then we went to this thing and uh, one of John's friends ended up being on the news from a drone shot and they actually photoshopped a mask onto his face. <clears throat> so that was interesting when I tell you what comes next, which is then when I started doing my own protests and hundreds of people would show up the media came to the first one I did, <clears throat> and uh, there were at least four media outlets there, um, and a few of them interviewed me afterwards and they all left and keep in mind we didn't talk about masks it was not a mask protest uh, none of us were wearing masks because we don't we don't buy into the narrative nobody who came would you know just by definition they wouldn't buy into it. every single one of those media outlets recorded it as dozens of people uh did a mask protest and i was really frustrated because we hadn't talked about masks we were there protesting the mass destruction of the small businesses of our state here in Utah, and so um i was frustrated with that then i did another i did another protest and the first thing i did is i took the mic and i said i want to address the media i see you here fox i see you here ksl i see you here deseret news and i want to make sure you understand this is not a mask protest don't go report that this is a mass protest well not only did every single one of them including the ones who interviewed me afterwards and you know they always wrap up with and so is there anything else that you want to say I'd say yeah just like I said in the beginning don't call this a mass protest we didn't talk about masks and that's not what we we're here to do and they reported it as a mass protest and they said that dozens of people were here so what I saw what I've seen them do over and over and over again is they say that a lot fewer people were there and because they're probably they're being told what to do because there's an, it's not journalism it's an an agenda, and the the news is scripted, and these so-called journalists that probably have degrees in journalism from from universities are being told what the story is, and I've had Fox TV show up to two of my protests, including last night. Uh, I just found out from one of the folks who organized it with me that Fox was there, and they, when I got up and I started mocking the media again, I said, I'll give you guys a hundred bucks if you'll just, run a headline that doesn't call it infections or cases. We're talking about healthy people who get a positive result on a bogus test. Like I'm just asking you to call it positive test results and then make the differentiation in the story. And so I, you know, I was saying all that stuff from the stage and Fox left because at least Fox had the the decency to just not run a story. But guess what the other ones did that we're seeing today? All of them said that a thousand people We're protesting masks, even though that wasn't the subject. And so I tell you that long story because like I have Mm -hmm. actually amassed lots and lots and lots of evidence that is completely scripted. And whatever stage of the choreography they're in, that's the story the media is going to tell you no matter what happens.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And it's always good for people to have direct personal experience with that so they see it for themselves and know at a deep visceral level that when you were watching the news, you were watching enemy information programming that is following a script. And you now know that personally firsthand. So... Uh, That gives you an advantage on people who might still be wondering, but an excellent example just came out about that in the last few days. I don't know if you saw it, it's gone a little viral online. There was a Spanish media outlet, a TV outlet that was uh, interviewing a doctor in one of these hospitals. And they were obviously planning a interview about, oh, how everything's being overrun and how we we need to shut everything down. uh, But the doctor did not follow that script. The doctor immediately started saying, what are you talking about? We have 100 ICU beds and we have three patients here. This is not an emergency. There is nothing happening. And uh, the, the reporter who was interviewing him uh, kept trying to press him, well, we've we've re- seen all these new cases and the, the cases are going up. And he kept saying, well, that doesn't translate into people actually being sick and going to the hospital. I can tell you, they are not here. This is not an emergency. Uh, t- at which point the, doc- the, the, the interviewer says, we've lost control. And the other anchor had to step in to try to once again pressure the doctor into going along with the narrative. And they ended up arguing um, where... Uh, eventually it devolved to the point where the the anchor was saying things like, but there's people dying on the streets. We've all seen it. And he said, well, have you signed their death certificates? And the anchor actually said, unfortunately, I haven't had the honor of doing that or something along those lines. It was just a bizarre debate, but it shows you the extent to which the media will absolutely melt down. If there is any actual um, pressure put against them about the narrative, the script they are following. And, and like, Robots—they cannot, they do not know how to handle the situation when they are called out on that script and uh, it's torn up in front of their face, which is why in most uh, certainly the slick, you know, American uh, uh mainstream media they would never allow that to happen in the first place. It's amazing; it's a miracle that it even happened on Spanish television.
0: Yeah, we did actually see that, and um, you know, my thought was, how they even let this air? Like, wouldn't they just? They, and maybe it was just because it was live, and maybe other people captured it because it was so amazing that, that, I mean, it just exposed them and just shined a big flashlight on the agenda
1: unfortunately, that is the way the media environment has been created, which is exactly why the the revolution will not be televised. And as I like to say these days, I also like to add, it will not be YouTubed. Because as we know, YouTube has recently come out and say that anything that goes against World Health Organization recommendations or guidelines can and will be censored. And we've already started seeing that happen. Uh, It hasn't taken my channel down yet, but I guarantee you it will in the future uh, as I continue to press on these issues.
0: Yeah, my theory is, you know, based on some conjecture of some some uh google employees i think that people like me are going to get deplatformed right before the vaccine comes out yeah yeah. because we're we're threat number one and so you know i hope that's not true but i have not really held back very much um i think my second blog post 14 years ago was why i didn't vaccinate my children um, and then I got really quiet. The last several years, I've been very quiet. Now, the last six months, I really can't. I feel just I just feel called. I feel like it's my responsibility. Um, I'm a vaccine injured person and I had a severely vaccine injured oldest child. And so it's just, you know, it's a, it feels like a responsibility at this point. And on that subject, I, I know you just did this four-part documentary. Will you talk a little bit about Bill Gates's background? Because you're really an expert at this point Bill Gates's background that is different than what people think because I started to get a sense of it I know Malcolm Gladwell kind of talked about how Bill Gates was actually a product of of massive privilege and but you've gone further and and kind of shown us a lot more of who Bill Gates is that isn't at all what we've been what we've been told as he sort of came up through Microsoft you just Tell us all things Bill Gates that you're willing to tell us and then and then tell us where we can get the four-part docu-series.
1: Sure well let's uh put the horse before the cart yes uh go to corporatereport.com slash gates g-a-t-e-s and there you can find the full documentary transcript video audio all up there for free um so that's the place to go for the deep dive but the in a, in a nutshell I mean everyone knows that Bill Gates made his fortune on Microsoft and MS-DOS and then Windows uh, that's the famous part of the story. The less known part of the story is how he actually got his his original big break, which was when Microsoft, this kind of nowhere, no no, no name company operating in Albuquerque that didn't have any particular um, cachet, how did IBM? IBM of all companies came the big blue. I mean, at that time in the computing world, it's not even a question of it was the biggest corporation. It was the biggest corporation that had ever existed in the computing world. Uh, Why did they come to the doorstep of Bill Gates? And the answer in a nutshell is nepotism um, as it has been revealed and even reported in New York Times and others. This is not conspiracy theorizing. Uh, It was uh, Bill Gates's mother sitting on the board of United Way with IBM CEO John who uh, put the bug in John Opal's ear. Hey, my son has this company. Can you help him out? Uh, John Opal then, according to uh, uh, an IBM executive at that time, Edward Andrus. Uh, basically Opal got, uh, got on the case of uh, IBM to, hey, there's this kid out in Albuquerque, we're going to help him. And as he says, Edward Andrews, obviously this is a bit of hyperbole, but he says, when the chairman comes in and tells you to help this kid, 900 people get on the plane Monday morning and they all go down to try to help Bill Gates. <laughs> and that's really how IBM comes to uh, Gates and to Microsoft and then through some shenanigans of uh, Gates buying up a, Quick and Dirty Operating System (QDOS) QDOS from a local Seattle computer product salesman, uh, and then they marketed it as MS DOS. But they got a special deal with IBM essentially to uh, maintain the the rights and the loyal uh, the royalties to that any sales of MS DOS, and then it becomes the basically standard operating system for the PC revolution, and the rest is history. So that's really where he got his start. But it does raise interesting questions about Gates and his family, and his family connections, and what that entails. And as I start to get into in the later parts of the documentary, uh, Gates's family background was extremely important and did include, of course, his father um, sitting on the board of Planned Parenthood, from which Bill Gates said is where he got his interest in Uh, Well, reproductive rights uh, issues, but more broadly speaking, the idea of charity, which became the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which of course his father does sit on the board of And uh, that did start to direct his activities. And as I start to make the case in the end of the uh, documentary the ultimate guiding ideology of Gates and families like him, including the Rockefellers, from whom the Gates learned a lot about this, this idea of corporate foundation ph- philanthropy, quote unquote, um, the guiding philosophy is essentially eugenics. And uh, I don't think Gates is particularly shy about that. I mean, he won't call it that, obviously, because the name of eugenics has been so thoroughly tarnished. But essentially, he is very interested in getting the world population down and uh, has dedicated years and and billions of dollars to doing that in a number of different ways, even going so far as to spearhead the the idea of implantable birth control that could be remote control operated, other such projects that literally in the open, I mean, this is MIT Technology Review and others reporting about it, that Bill Gates himself was personally going to the researchers and and, uh, starting these projects that he would then directly fund. Uh, he's very obsessed with this topic and this idea. And I don't think it's because he loves every single person on earth and wants them to flourish in the best way possible. Maybe that's my conspiracy theorist talking, but I, I see, think there's a bigger agenda going on here. And at the very least, for people who aren't willing to step their uh, put their toe into the conspiracy waters, at the very least, it has to give you pause for thought that the person who was best known for creating this uh, corporate behemoth monopoly, uh, a evil corporation essentially in the 90s someone who was reviled almost universally in the public in the 90s for his cutthroat business practices and the way that he uh, functioned and operated on the business level suddenly became the world's most lovely wonderful generous philanthropic person uh, th- that should at least start to give you pause for thought why why exactly is he doing this what motivates him and i think there's a much deeper issue there that he does let the mask down and does uh, talk about here and there talking about the death panels and other things that I have the quote in my documentary. So people can start to to get into this. And the, the the reason this is important is because, as we have all seen, Bill Gates has become one of the go-to people for the controlled media that, as you say, is following the script to go to as the expert that they're going to ask for the latest developments on this pandemic. Why are they turning to Bill Gates? No medical experience, not a doctor, not, not, no research experience, not a, never written a paper, he's never done an re- experiment, but he is the one they are turning to for every, uh, every part of this. It's because the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has effectively monopolized the field of global health over the past two decades through billions upon billions upon billions of dollars of funding that even The WHO's own chief malaria uh, officer and others have warned that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is taking over these areas. And they are directing things towards their pet issues, like vaccinations, when other things would be more, other technologies would be more appropriate. They are directing the field of global health right now. Well, that is coming to a head right now as we see what this is trending towards. And as Bill Gates is pushing such things as the Moderna uh, mRNA experimental vaccine that we need right now damn the testing there's no time for that we're just going to have to mandate it for the entire public so that the world can return to normal or at least the new normal
0: what do you make of you know bill gates's ted talk where you think he sort of slipped when he said we're going to reduce the world population by 15 percent and vaccines won't be enough Cause, you know then of course later he he you know sort of clarified except that it seems super kooky to me what he said well we have found that if we just give everybody birth control and we don't uh, or know what do you say like if, if if we can just get the children to live by giving them vaccines then then these families don't keep having more children sort of hedge their bets, because all their children die. Which always seemed like a super kooky um uh, explanation to me. And I'm wondering if as you've dug deeper into it than ninety nine point nine nine percent of us, um, what you make of that. Did he did he slip because he's so used to talking with his own people and then he oops said that or because you know del big who we had dinner with both of the nights he was in town to do our event this weekend he believes that uh bill gates really believes in his mission like he's not i'm gonna you know cancel a whole lot of the world through toxic injections he really believes in, in his products what do you think
1: Well, uh, yes, you're right that uh, that quote from that uh, TED talk in which he said that we if we do a really excellent job, we can reduce the world population. I believe he said by 10 percent and vaccines will be part of that. Uh, That has often been cited and uh, as being a particularly telling observation. But as he has gone on to say time and time again since then, no, the point of that is that if if children survive through infancy, through childhood into adulthood, then parents will have less children. Because, he says, the aim of parents is to have two healthy children survive into adulthood. And uh, we found that universally, wherever we improve or decrease child mortality, the birth rate actually decreases, which ultimately limits population size. And that's what he's saying. And when you look into it, there is no actual real objective peer-reviewed scientific evidence for this. He's essentially taking it for, from a researcher who basically put it in one of his books and didn't have any particular science to back it up. But uh, it's, you know, it's, it feels about right. Uh, so as far as I know, there's absolutely no verifiable scientific reason for believing that. But uh, Gates, at least officially and on the record, says that that is part of his uh, uh, his mandate. What he's doing is trying to help reduce child mortality in order to help reduce the population. Now, uh, I find it interesting that, for example, uh, I go back to the 2009 secret meeting that was held on Rockefeller University campus that only was reported several months later that uh, included Warren Buffett, David Rockefeller, Ted Turner, and others, specifically devoted to the cause of reducing the world population, some of the richest and most powerful people, including people like Ted Turner, who have gone on the record to say there should be about 1 billion people on Earth. Uh, I don't know if these people's agenda and the, the incredible amounts of money and resources they have to throw at this problem of overpopulation and reducing the world's population by, at least in Ted Turner's on-the-record-stated uh, idea by, what, 90%? 80 plus percent. I I don't think that's going to happen just as a result of reducing childhood mortality. There's going to be some sort of depopulation involved there. Now, again, do we have some sort of signed, sealed, delivered letter of Bill Gates and now we will unleash the vaccines and kill a billion people? Of course, we do not have that kind of evidence. So, people who are looking for that will have to look elsewhere or speculate. But uh, but what we do not have to speculate about is the stated and, and on the record aim of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to reduce ch- uh, the population increase. They want to get that down. And uh, I think there are reasons uh, to pause for thought as to why this multi-billion dollar philanthropic foundation should be given carte blanche essentially to operate how it wants and to direct the field of public health in this direction without any sort of without any real public debate whatsoever and in fact the Columbia Journalism Review just came out with a really excellent uh, uh, study about this where they broke down essentially what I was talking about in that first part of the Bill Gates documentary that over the past couple of decades the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has spent untold hundreds of millions if not billions of dollars ultimately on PR media sponsorships, media grants, uh, media tie-ins, to essentially whitewash what the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is and what they do. Why would such incredible amounts of PR be necessary if they really were just about saving the earth? I think there, there has to be a deeper level to this agenda. But at the very least, again, for people who don't have any Pause for thought. Never question anything that they're being told by the media. At the very, very, very least, you can bring it down to the brass tacks of the fact that Bill Gates, during his incredible philanthropic decade of vaccines to make the world a better place, blah blah blah, has gone from a net worth of fifty billion to a net worth of one hundred plus billion dollars. His net worth has doubled during this wonderful philanthropic period where he's giving away his fortune, which continues to increase and increase and increase. And he talks about vaccinations as an investment that has a 20 to 1 return ratio. Uh, It's the best investment he's ever made. Uh, when, When he's framing it in those terms, you can at least have pause for thought about the very vaccines and pharmaceutical manufacturers that he has direct financial ties to who are the ones who are self-evidently benefiting from the panic that's uh, being generated right now.
0: So you've made some really important points, like why do they have to do such a PR campaign? I mean, shouldn't the product sell itself? Like, shouldn't we all be lining up to get the vaccines because it's gonna actually protect us from something? But then you see, and, and it is really terrifying, this consolidation of power that people like Bill Gates with no credentials really at all, are controlling the, all the health organizations all over the world. Um, I'm also seeing things which I didn't know any of this six months ago. You know, I just you know, like you, I just research many hours a day. But Google has bought DuckDuckGo now and people think that they're, you know, more protected searching on DuckDuckGo. I mean if you can get to more content that Google has buried. I mean, I stopped blogging this year because after millions of visitors to my website, Green Smoothie Girl, a year for years and years and years, Google had wrecked us so badly, you know, with so little organic. Uh, traffic actually landing on our site that it was like there's no there's really no point for me to invest in in content anymore which is really sad and it's not that it's gone to zero it's just that you know like i gotta figure out where to put my time and that doesn't seem like a productive way to go which is sad because i'm a writer first and foremost so you got google's bot duck go everywhere i look i keep learning that bill gates has a controlling interest in so many things i mean you know, people are at the beginning of this whole nightmare were signing, setting up and signing uh, change.org petitions. Oh, it turns out Bill Gates owns some of Control's change.org as well. And now they're getting deleted. Anything that would be about freedom or shining a flashlight on these really corrupt industries, they all, those petitions just get deleted. Um, and, and so I want to ask you, well, this is kind of a, just a, a different subject. Uh, What do you, what are you concerned about this experimental mRNA vaccine and, and, you know, I am really confused by how many companies are in the running for who's going to, you know, get the contract for these hundreds of millions of vaccines that Americans are going to be desperate to get because of the fear campaign about the virus, but what are your concerns about specifically an mRNA vaccine that we've never had before?
1: Right, well, on the the broader question of coronavirus vaccines, the last time I checked, there was something like 120 plus that were in development in some way or other via various uh, companies. It seems the AstraZeneca Oxford University vaccine is the one that a lot of countries are settling on, including here in Japan and in Australia and others um, as The most likely to be the one that will be first widely distributed, which, as far as I'm aware, is not an mRNA vaccine. But as you say, Moderna, which is one of these companies that uh, Gates has been promoting essentially for years now through uh, Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, uh, through CEPI, um, which I won't uh, attempt to remember what that acronym stands for, something about. Uh, pandemic preparedness, epidemic preparedness initiative. Um, he's been talking about Moderna and, and humping, uh, hyping up this idea of an mRNA vaccine, which um, basically bypasses the usual production delay for a regular vaccine, which has to be cultured in egg cells and what have you. So it takes a long time um, just to physically produce them. Well, mRNA is ready essentially as soon as you have the, uh, the mRNA strands ready to go. Um, but I will not. I, I'm not going to claim to be an expert on this technology or how it works. I am actually working on a podcast that I will be releasing, hopefully, in the next month or so about this new vaccine technology and where it goes from here. But essentially, mRNA vaccines will encode the protein of a virus. It's inserted into a cell. Um, To then trigger the immune response and create antibodies. That's, that's the idea of it. But essentially, you are tricking your own, your own body's uh, cells into producing a certain protein, which then uh, will will activate this response. Uh, That, I mean, It, it all comes down to semantics and how you argue it. Um, and it has been argued by the fact checkers, but uh, I think successfully counter argued by various people in the public sphere that this is essentially, uh, if not DNA altering, at least genetically engineering humans to start producing antibodies. and. Uh, it's not necessarily this first iteration of this technology that is the most concerning to me it's future iterations of this technology where the long term plan when you start researching some of these uh vaccine uh studies that are being published in the in the medical journals the long term plan is ultimately to have a vaccine that will be injected a single time but then will be remotely uh, a, a controllable in a sense that you can then uh, essentially update to that vaccine and it will start producing a different a different protein for this virus or that virus and it will it will trigger a different immune response um, which when we're looking down that barrel of that particular gun is essentially a carte blanche to start engineering humanity into whatever the person who controls that technology wants it to be. Uh, that's where this is ultimately heading. And again, I don't think that's going to be this particular vaccine this particular time, but this is where we are starting to head, where we're, we're starting to look at the idea of really genetically fundamentally engineering human beings uh, via a vaccine. And that's, that. That to anyone who isn't concerned by that, I think at this point has essentially forfeited their humanity. Because an exceptionally important part of the long-term narrative that's playing out right now, it's not the short-term, but in the long-term, and we're already starting to see signs of it. We're starting to see the convergence of the transhuman narrative with this new biosecurity paradigm. And uh, I did point that out, for example, recently in a, in a video I did about a, world, uh, a Wall Street Journal article entitled, Looking Forward to the End of Humanity, talking essentially about how we're starting to learn how bodies and humans and organic matter is icky and gross and subject to all these diseases and things and they're all infectious. So what we need is essentially to start looking at ways that we can upgrade this, this horrible, fleshy, protoplasm that we're swimming in. And we can start merging with technology. And that is ultimately where this is heading. And the first step of that is really going to be these vaccines that start altering the ways that our cells function at the cellular level. And uh, eventually, it will be a single vaccine that you get that will be updated remotely for whatever new virus that comes along or they say comes along at any given time. Uh, as a convenient way of es- essentially engineering who we are. And that's the long-term risk of where this is heading. And I know that will sound crazy to some people who uh, are-, are not even aware of the first iteration of this, the, the-, the mRNA vaccines that are being worked on right now, let alone where this is ultimately heading. And that's why I'm working on that podcast episode where I'm going to corral the evidence and, and show the different papers and, and really where the-, the researchers are hoping to take this technology in the
0: future. Super interesting. And I have not heard that before or considered that it, that it makes sense with Bill Gates in charge of it, that there's sort of like a software update component to it. I have been saying for months to my audience, in fact, I did a little a little video and it's, it's called The Trojan Horse, where I said, you guys are all so worried about getting injected with this COVID vaccine. Should I get it or should I not get it? But I think that this is a completely different play it's not just a vaccine it's there's there's a there's a tracking that comes with it and therefore if you think that you're just going to suck it up all right fine I'll get this vaccine because otherwise I won't be able to go in a grocery store or to the gym or travel on the airplane ever again if you think that that'll get this this agenda off your case hmm. these technocrats will leave you alone and like hey you know they're looking at a a mega trillion dollar industry if they can do to adults what they did to children you know where children now have to get you know maybe as many as 72 doses of vaccines by the time they turn 18 now there's now there's forcing it on adults and it's really interesting to see the the way it's being presented to us like before the vaccine even gets here it's like they're using the masks to yes to, to say this whole the greater good thing which just is bone chilling to me i I taught, you know, American history and economics and civics at the university level. I grew up in Washington, D.C. and was a Sterling scholar in, in American history. And so I love freedom and I understand what communism is. And I've taught, you know, university students the whole Stalinist playbook. And and here we are. And and what's so astonishing to me, James, and I wonder if you have any like, explanation for this, is probably the thing that's on on my mind the most or you know my jaws on the floor is how many educated smart people they aren't going along with it Mm -hmm. It's, it's way further than that smart educated people uh all around me in my life maybe half of the smart educated people i know are ferociously not just pro vaccine whatever whatever the pharmaceutical industry wants to bring me i'm for it but also they're ferocious about looking the other way while well, every basic human right we have disappears what what is people's problem why yes, why yes. why is everybody falling for this
1: excellent question and and i suppose that doesn't surprise me on a grander uh societal level because as a conspiracy theorist who has talked about verboten subjects like 9-11 and other such things for many years, I'm quite used to the general public's reaction. And as you said at the beginning of this conversation, thinking that anyone who has questions about these narratives is some sort of kooky person wearing a pinwheel or what, what have you. Um, so I'm kind of used to that at the societal level, but I, I have, I must admit, I I, I am Still surprised. I am still taken aback by the response that I've seen even in the so-called erstwhile alternative independent media of people who are used to dismantling uh, mainstream narratives and challenging the establishment uh, uh, ideas that are going around in society at any given moment, have. there are many of them who have swallowed on this hook, line, and sinker and are now saying, I, I, I don't know why people aren't going along with this, these crazy flat earth weirdos are talking about uh, you know, some sort of greater agenda here. It's just locked down for a few weeks. They're just dealing with a virus. This is not important. Uh, I, that it's absolutely flabbergasting to me. and. I can't believe that everyone who is saying that is on the payroll and is a shill or what have you. I think a lot of people genuinely believe this, um, which to me shows an incredible lack of understanding, which in a way sort of uh, goes back and, and, and retroactively makes everything that they've ever said not, not, I wouldn't question everything they've ever said, but I question their actual understanding of the things that they've been saying if they're going along with this narrative at this point. Um, but you frame it, I think, uh, in the right terms because this whole debate that's going on in in America, in Canada, in other countries about masks, uh, for me, it, uh, being a Canadian in Japan, it's it's a non-issue. I've been here 16 years. I see people wearing masks all the time. Lots of people wear masks during you know allergy season or what have you. It's not a it's not a big Deal here, and it's not a political issue here. There's no mandates here because a lot of people wear masks anyway. It's it's just a non-issue. But I understand in America and Canada, other places, it's a huge issue. And the debate that I see is essentially it is about compliance right now, and it is testing the compliance ultimately towards testing compliance for the vaccine and vaccine mandates. And getting people on board with this idea that anyone who isn't going along with what the health authorities are telling them right now is a bad person Mm -hmm. and must be forced to comply one way or another. And that is the debate and the way it's shaping up. And I think uh, ultimately, of course, that is trending towards the idea of vaccine mandates for adults, as you were saying, trying to do to adults what they've been doing to children. And uh, and, uh, again, it lines up completely with what we were just saying about Media censorship and deplatforming—you know there's already been a, a lot of deplatforming, but there's yeah. going to be another wave uh, as the vaccine is rolled out and people start speaking out against it. They will; their voices will be removed from the equation, and it will be essentially a mass compliance test. And the latest part of this is the latest scientific study that shows that anyone who is against following mask guidelines or other compliance issues around COVID-19 quote-unquote containment measures is a sociopath at least according to the headlines that are going around right now at SciPost.org and other places like this. Oh, the latest study has just proven that those who are resistant to these types of measures have antisocial personality disorder, blah, blah, blah. Um, So you see the way this is being framed. And so I understand why a lot of the public is going on, uh, going along with this at the moment. And maybe some people are going along with it, reluctantly thinking this will be the end of the issue. But no, this is precisely the beginning of the issue. Uh, They are testing for compliance. And if you comply, whether you comply willingly or unwillingly does not matter. If you comply, they will push to the next level and the next and the next. The only way forward for those who are not willingly going to go along with this is resistance. And I cannot guarantee your, your resistance will save you from any of this, but I can guarantee if you do not start resisting, if you do not draw a line in the sand and refuse to willingly go go beyond that line right now, you are going to uh, go along with this agenda and it is going to be shoved down your throat. So I keep coming back to this in my writings uh, recently. Resistance is the way forward. I just wrote an article called Resistance is Fertile that is up on the front page of corporatereport.com right now that goes into this issue in a greater degree of of philosophical depth, I'd like to think. Um, but essentially, uh, it comes down to the fact that they are testing for compliance right now. And when people push back, and there is significant resistance, then they do their calculation. Oh, the resistance quotient is too high. The cost benefit ratio is still not in the right place for us to go ahead with this. So we'll walk it back exactly as the Australian prime minister just came out and Said mandatory vaccination. There was huge kickback, even in the mainstream press against that. So he said, oh, did I say mandatory? I meant most people will, will, should take it. And we're not obviously going to change the law, blah, blah, blah. So they are testing right now for compliance. And I think that's ultimately what this is about, which means that our resistance is resistance itself. And that is a muscle that we're going to have to start flexing. And as you know, the, the media might come out and say, oh, look at these silly mask protests. There were dozens of people protesting masks or whatever lies and smears they try to put out against you. But people are going to have to plow through that and go ahead and it might get uncomfortable. In fact, I'm going to guarantee you it's going to get uncomfortable as we get further and further into this agenda. But if we don't get used to that and, uh, and, and start resisting, then we know what path we're heading
0: down. Okay, everything you just said, put words on what I've been noticing and feeling. And just so brilliantly put. Thank you for that. That that I have seen that. They're and not just in the United States, but they're they're testing the resistance. And and what Australia's prime minister just did is a perfect example of it. But I've seen it here too. We're um just so you know what we're doing here in Utah, I think it's pretty exciting. I didn't actually send out any um press releases about this this event we did last night that we flew in uh the megaphone or yeah, megaphone marine, Doctor Cordy Lee Williams and and Dell big tree for, um, we didn't send out any press releases because I knew I was going to get on stage and tell everyone, okay, you guys, we're taking this to a new level. And I felt very urgently that we needed to have this event and have it be as big as possible. Because if I get deplatformed and you guys are used to me, you know, organizing all these events, listen, the walls are closing in. I really feel the walls are closing in, especially as I look at what's happening in New Zealand and Australia. That's where, where we seem to be going. And of course what's been going on in, in China for years. And we just see that we're doing all the things that China's been doing for years. I mean, you know, my kids are going back at my two youngest are juniors in college and they're going back with an app that they can't leave their house unless, you know, they have enough on their app that they get a, a green light or, or whatever. But I I feel like you're exactly right. And that right there should should wake us all up that they're testing the resistance and they pull off because they're trying to get us to agree to it. And we've seen that over and over again. They, they are trying to do it without violence so that we turn on each other so that we are self-policing. You know, the masks thing, they haven't had to come in. I'm amazed that the brilliance of this evil plan is that we're six months deep in a total takedown of any kind of democracy. And there's been no violence. There's been no martial law. And it's because they've they've been able to get half of us to turn on the other half and shame the crap out of us and make us feel like we're like you said so i haven't seen that one but sociopaths if we don't go along Mm. with it and pretty soon we'll be so and, and i think that the masks are that we're all wearing the mask and then for the people who get the uh who get the vaccine that they'll be able to take their masks off. So now you're literally walking around. You can identify who got the vaccine and who yeah. didn't just by yeah. what's whether you were in the dirty rag on your face or not.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that ties into the other part of what Gates has been funding, which is uh, tying ID, ID, biometric ID, ultimately into vaccines and who's received them. And again, people have you know the fact checkers will come out and say Bill Gates is not impl- implanting microchips in the COVID vaccine or whatever. Um, but that's not the point of what's going on. No, you're, you're a biometric ID is going to be tied into your social credit, is going to be tied into your Federal Reserve account with your digital dollars that'll be your UBI that will uh, indicate whether or not you've had the vaccine and whether or not you're eligible for this and that social benefit. It, that is the, the the system that is coming into place. And no, it is not all going to be implemented overnight, but that is exactly what they're telling you ultimately is the long-term plan of this. And you hit your, you hit the nail on the head exactly what I was writing about in my article where I was comparing this to the the Borg You know, resistance is futile, you will be assimilated. The point of the the Borg as an enemy in Star Trek was not that they are out to kill everyone. No, they are out to assimilate all of these species into the Borg Collective, they want people to to willingly, uh, uh, willingly or not, at any rate, comply, assimilate, become part of the Borg Collective, and uh, then they can continue on with their operations. And that's why resistance is important, because if the resistance is too much, and yes, they could come and physically point a gun at your head and force a vaccine into your arm, but they don't want it to come to that. That would be much, much too messy, and any semblance of order would fall apart at that point. No, they want the vast majority of people to go along with this and to actually be rooting rooting for and 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 cheering on the goons that come out and ran, round up the few dissenters. Uh, and that is actually, as you know, that's what we've already been seeing with the, the way the mask issue has been playing out and people calling the cops on others and what have you. All of this craziness that's going on is just a taste of what's coming. And once again, that's why we have to be out there and visibly demonstrating our non-compliance with this, these issues um, so that they do not move into the next stage, whatever that may be.
0: Yeah, so I started to tell you what we're doing here in Utah, what I announced from the stage last night when I said, hey, you guys, I, I will probably get deplatformed. I mean, before this whole thing started, they'd already deplatformed 200,000 people and they'd already Google had already choked my reach down to a tiny fraction of what it was. But here's what we're doing, you guys, and go sign up to do it. We are going to march. Uh, in front of the governor's house morning and night six days a week until he does the right thing and he retracts the k-12 through mask mandate for some reason we're a republican state where our governor has was the first to issue a through k-12 mask mandate um you know all the other states were debating whether they're even going to go back to school or not but our governor did that and this is a this is a very very conservative state like we've already elected our governor because whoever comes out of the Republican primary, who's our Lieutenant governor, who's even worse than our rhino governor. And I know how apolitical you are. I've heard you say that, but, um, and I, and I would agree with you. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have understood that until the last six months that the Republicans are looking an awful lot like the Democrats and are, and are totally subverted. I I call our governor Herbert, I call him subverted Herbert. Um, and, and we are, we are marching in front of his house six days a week. I've got people signed up to do it. We have 200 men on horseback. They're going to ride in and give the governor a message of our intent to take our freedoms back and take our cities back and take our, our education system back. That is a complete dystopia right now. These little kids are in little bubbles wearing masks. I mean, I can't imagine. I was terrified of germs when I was like five, six, seven, eight, because my parents had told me how germs work that they like float in the air and a sick person breathes out. And then if you breathe in and one of the invisible things gets in your, gets in your mouth, you get really sick. And I I literally had like crying panic attacks constantly from the age of about five to nine. I wouldn't go in and like kneel down for family prayer with my family and my parents would get really mad at me because they didn't know. And that's the thing. People aren't going to know what's going on in their kid's heart and mind. They're not going to know the trauma that is, you know, that's, it's being perpetrated on our kids. So that's what we're doing, just putting it out there. We are marching on the governor and we're gonna do it. And if he hasn't done the right thing and retracted the K-12 mandate, by three weeks from now, we're all the 1,500 people lost from, from last night, and they're they're supposed to bring somebody, we're all gonna meet on the in front of the governors, and then we're gonna exercise a, a vote of no confidence. And what's really cool is three constitutional scholars um came last night to the event and came up to me, you know, at various points during the night and told me you know, that they're published authors in the Constitution. And so, you know, our, our resistance is growing. Our resistance is getting more organized. And I'm really glad to hear you say, yeah, I can't promise you that if you resist that, that we'll beat this, but I can promise you It was what I hear you saying. I can promise you that if you don't, we're all going down. Is that, does that read you right?
1: That's it in a nutshell. So I know which side of that equation I want to be on. Uh, Again, not even just for my own sake, but for my children's sake, as you say, the children, the world that our children are going to be growing up in is uh, horrific. I don't even like to contemplate that. But obviously, that's why I'm here doing what I do, because uh, this is this is it. Uh, This is the chance for humanity's resistance. And this may not be our final last stand, but it's getting close. Uh, There is not a lot of room once this agenda really gets implemented for for the resistance. And that's why I, 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 of course, as people who follow my work know I'm an anarchist. I do not believe in political ideologies. But I would say this to people who do. You are not a Republican. You are not a Democrat. You are a person who believes X, Y, and Z. And if you believe those principles and the party that is claiming to represent your side of things is not adhering to those principles. Do not support them. You have to resist against the, all of the different constructs that have been put in your mind to try to control your behavior. And the political construct is one of them. So just because you have a Republican doesn't mean that, that they're going to do what you want them to do or that things are going to, to be all right. It has to be about fundamental principles. And if you don't know your principles, it's time to get that in order because that is the ground level of what is happening right now. They are trying to sway humanity itself to willingly embrace what is coming. And if you, if you don't have your mind right, you are going to be swayed and you are going to be led along a path you ultimately don't want to go down.
0: I completely agree. And even though I'm voting for Trump in, in this fall and so's John, and we didn't, vote, we didn't vote in the last one because we were so disgusted with both both uh, candidates were voting for him we still it's very frustrating when we see someone saying well, this will all end at at the election. And I just, I I usually pipe up at least once a day and say, hey, I don't don't think you know what's going on. Well,
1: just keep in mind, you're you're voting for Trump who kicked Robert F. Kennedy Jr. off his advisory council, hired Bill Gates, has launched Operation Warp Speed for the vaccines, and recently came out to say that the FDA was slow walking the vaccine. The deep state is trying to slow walk it because they don't want people to be saved before the election. Trump is a vaccine advocate and uh, that's what you're voting for.
0: Interesting because I think that the Trump supporters probably just in their fear and and worry believe that he is just saying that that he's going to send the vaccine out with with uh, well he'll you know, give the, the good
1: vaccine don't worry but he'll go along with the narrative and he'll say vaccines are great and everyone will go along with it but he'll give you the good vaccine so vote for him.
0: Nonsense. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people who think that he's just doing that because he has to to get reelected, and that actually he wanted to put... Well, that,
1: that is the problem in a nutshell. He has to do it to get elected. Well, if we all have to do things we, that are 100% wrong in order to get elected, then maybe that's the problem. And people who vote for that crap are part of the problem, too. Well, I'm
0: still hoping, even though I agree with you, what I'm saying is that a lot of people think that he's saying he will do that when he has absolutely no intention of making it mandatory. But he has to he has to say that because he has so many people who would vote for him who are bought in on the fear and they want the vaccine. They want the vaccine. So he can't. So it's interesting you say that. And I want to find out the truth now. Now I'm really driven to find out the truth because I believe Bobby Kennedy, who I have interviewed and we almost got him here. We almost got him here for our thing last night, but he said it was his daughter's birthday. And I almost said it's my daughter's birthday, too. But um, we're doing anyways. But yeah, I get it. And so, uh, you know, I almost want to ask him because he claims he is in touch with the president, and you know, the president did make some noise before he got, you know, screamed at by lots and lots and lots of pro vaxxers that uh, he was going to have him head the uh, vaccine administration or one of those top boards. So we can we can only hope. I don't. I do. I think that the point here, though, for everyone is. Uh, we cannot sit back and and not be part of the resistance and just hope that Donald Trump is going to save us. He doesn't even have the power to save us. This thing is so big. So last topic, James, are there any positives that you're seeing that give you hope? Like we talked about in the beginning of the conversation that I'm seeing a lot of awareness. I'm seeing a lot of people, family members of mine, people I know uh, waking up, learning about vaccines. I don't think it takes much for people to realize how vaccines could seriously threaten their health, like in terms of autoimmune disease and cancer, which I would think that people would be pretty easily triggered since most people have autoimmune disease. Um, or, you know, I, I, I kind of thought that maybe when people start getting sick from the vaccine, that that would quickly wake everybody up and make everybody really resistant to the vaccine agenda. But today I interviewed Joel Lord, who is a, a vaccine author. And he said, no, because We'll get the vaccine and or the people who do they'll be shedding and that's what'll spread it and so even people who didn't get the vaccine will end up getting the virus from other people's vaccines so curious what you think what positives do you see what can we focus on so that we can actually take action and feel like we are part of the resistance in ways that matter
1: well the resistance is what matters and whether or not that is growing is essentially what matters and i think uh, the only positive side of this is that it would have been possible to implement the overall agenda that's being implemented now, which is not just about vaccines, but is about the cashless society and biometric ID and, uh, and social credit and all of this, which is riding in as part of this COVID new normal. The point that that is being normalized right now or attempting to be normalized all at once and all on the back of this crisis that a lot of people can see is a phony generated crisis seems to me a strategic mistake. Uh, Again, I think over the period of decades, a couple of decades, a generation or two, this probably could have been instituted without much resistance and without, through the old, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist if you believe there's anything wrong with this. That could have been gradually implemented. But they're trying to go for it all at once, seemingly, which seems to be waking up some percentage of the population. Is it enough? Again, I cannot say, and I do not know. Um, but the fact that uh, ordinary people are becoming criminals and, and miscreants and sociopaths for daring to question the narrative that's going along, that will cause a lot of people who otherwise would not have uh, thought twice about this agenda to question it. And that is, that is the, the I suppose, the hope The fact that this opens that window for resistance, and for for this sort of information to hit people in a way that it wouldn't have been possible to otherwise, which is why now is the prime time for people to be out there spreading this information. Do not hide your light under a, a bush. You must spread it to others especially right now and to show at the very least to demonstrate to other people that resistance exists and it's out there and it's possible and people are not crazy for questioning what's going on right now because that is the way the media will always try to frame it a few fringe crazies Well, not if millions upon millions of people are out there and actively demonstrating that they do not go along with this agenda and that's that's where it, it lies. And ultimately, it lies with us. And I can't control what everyone else is doing. All I can do is what I'm doing and, and modeling it for others. And I hope that has an effect. Um, but at the end of the day, you can either do that or not do that. And will, will you be able to look yourself in the mirror and, uh, and, and tell your children what you did during this crisis, one of the greatest crises we have faced uh, in our entire lifetimes? Will you be able to look your children in the face and say, yeah, I went along with it because I thought it would be over soon? Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not willing to do that.
0: I completely agree with you. And my four children are adults and they have said things to me like that. I have quote, ridiculous politics. And so here's the thing I'm battling for their future, even though they don't see the danger and they think that I'm, uh, they think I'm crazy. So uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I feel like the only thing I can do is show some courage and, and bring people together and, use my platforms to help share information. And so to that end, I just want to thank you for your courage and the ways that you speak up. One of my favorite things about you is that you take really complex subjects and usually people who are, I bet you have like over 190 IQ. Usually people like you have a hard time conveying information, but you really make it accessible and simple and and still interesting. And so thank you for everything that you're doing to be part of the resistance and tell us where everyone can find you and what project you're working on that you're most excited about so that we can go check it out too.
1: So my work is available 100% for free at corbettreport.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T report.com. Everything that I do is up available there for free viewing and listening because uh, this work, I think, is important. I don't take myself seriously, but I take the work that I'm doing very seriously and these topics very seriously, and I hope that comes through. Uh, if people are interested in my Bill Gates documentary in particular, that's at corbettreport.com slash gates. Again, completely up for free. And I want to stress that I am no one special in any of this. I'm not doing anything special. Uh, really, I am an English teacher uh, here in Japan who just got caught up in this stuff because I I, I started encountering all this information and just try, I had to put it out there in some form. And so as a result of being a teacher, I think maybe I have some ability to convey this. But that's that's kind of the point is that everyone out there has their own perspective, their own personality, their own talents that they can help to spread this message in all sorts of different ways. Of course, it doesn't have to be a podcast or a video. It could even be direct one-on-one talks with your friends and neighbors and family. But we have to start speaking out about this um, before it's too late. And that's, that's why I'm out here trying to motivate others to do that. And so join me at corporatereport.com. If you like what you see, of course, you can actually support the work. But I I never ask people to become members of the website unless and until they've really dived into my work. Because uh, it's, it's really there as a resource, first and foremost. And I hope people will use it as such.